Welcome aboard the USS Aeronome. To become a member of our crew, please visit perfectorganism.com support. As a patron of Perfect Organism, you'll receive exclusive perks and early access to content. Incoming audio transmission received. Please proceed to Subdeck 3 to begin playback. Thank you, and welcome aboard. What are you waiting for? Breakfast in bed? Another glorious day in the Corps. Day in the Marine Corps is like a day on the farm. Every meal is a banquet. Every paycheck a fortune. Every formation a parade. I love the Corps. Where's Basket? Let's rock! Welcome to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I am your host, J.M. Prater, and I am joined by host... Patrick Green. So thanks, everyone, for for listening today. Uh, we, this is another uh, entry into our series, 40 Miles of Bad Road. We're kind of getting close to the, the end of the series. This is a big year for us. Uh, we haven't really had a formal episode recording since Patrick and I met up and we went uh, to the exhibit, the 40 Years of Alien exhibit at USC, which was awesome. Got some great video. We got a lot of uh, photographs. We've shared a lot of that with you guys. Um, but we're kind of moving along. We're into March 2019. So, again, the 40-year anniversary of Alien. And there's a lot coming up. Alien Day is coming up. But we wanted to kind of slowly wrap this series up as we kind of get ready for our next series, which is The Forbidden Planet, 40 Years of Alien. But today we wanted to discuss whether or not aliens is overrated. Um, but really talk about that in depth and what that means. Uh, whether, and that go, that's, that's going to be from creative decisions that James Cameron made to how the sequel is looked upon uh, by kind of p- the populace. Um, you know, is it, is it, uh, does it hurt the film that it's so popular? Um, so those are just a couple, a couple of things that we're going to discuss. Patrick. A little bit of light controversy. So let's let's get a couple things out of the way. One, Jamie and I have already established many, many times that we absolutely love this movie. So we're, we are going to be looking for new ways to argue about it tonight. But keep in mind, you know, this is kind of getting this disclaimer out of the way, that we do love the movie. That's not to say necessarily that it's not overrated. But, but this conversation comes from a place of, of love, so we don't have to feel like we have to justify it every time we talk about it. I say we grease this rat fuck son of a bitch right now. It just doesn't make any goddamn sense. And one, one other thing I wanted to mention is that um, we, we agreed that because we want to be able to move on and because we have some stuff already recorded that, we, that we're just too excited to share with you guys, that we do want to start transitioning to our next series. But we're going to be coming back to this one. So we're going to have at least one more episode um, after this in this current series. And then as time goes on and as months and years go by, when we have Aliens-specific content, it's still going to be part of 40 Miles of Bad Road. There are still Alien 3 episodes that we want to get to at some point that will fit into our Alien 3 series. Um, And there's the whole idea of the discussion of the score for Aliens, which I think is the weakest score in the... (laughs) The trilogy, to be honest with you, I think uh, the score is very derivative. I don't think it's good. I think it's bombastic. I don't think it's bad. I just don't think it's that unique. I think it's a mixed, Commence tomato a throwing. Mixed That's bag. fine. 
I think it's a a, a, mix, a mixed bag. To be fair, James Horner wrote it in about 35 minutes too, which I think is is part of the problem. That's true. Um, so so we will come back to this, and this is not the end of our 40 Miles of Bad Road, but it's a chance to kind of stop and to switch gears a little bit with the knowledge that we will come back to it. So don't so don't worry, we are coming back to it, but we're going to do one more after this, and then we're done. So, so before we get into the yeah. conversation about whether or not it's overrated, I thought it'd be fun to take a step back for a second and look at where we've been. Because we've traveled down this road pretty far and covered a lot of ground. Um, so I'm going to kind of run through just some of the things that we've talked about. And keeping in mind that one of the first things that we ever said in episode 93, which was the first 40 Miles of Bad Road show, was uh, we we discussed whether or not this film is overrated. Because it's something that's it's taken for granted how good it is. And because of that, it's an easy thing to sort of uh, take pot shots at because it feels like... You know, it's sort of like this this indomitable beast of a film, um, and a lot of the time, films that become like that, films that become sort of unimpeachable, um, are are also actually worse than we give them credit for. But their kind of legacy has built up so much that it's hard to really take them apart. So part of our our whole reason for this series, part of why I was excited about it and why I still am, is because we wanted to deconstruct this thing and make it less of just a myth and less of this sort of perfect monolithic thing and make it back into a film that was made by real people with real assets and a real place and a real time. Um, and I feel like we've kind of been doing that. So we wanted to revisit it now, having gone through months of this stuff, and have a conversation from a place where we're not looking at it just as this mythological thing anymore, and talk about whether or not, as a film, it's overrated. So going back to the beginning, so episode 93, we talked about where do you go after Alien, and we talked about uh, what uh, an audacious choice it was to take it in such a weird direction um, compared to the first film. And it was so divergent and alien had such a cultural impact. And, uh, and it was fascinating that it, it immediately kind of went in this, in this brave new world. And it set up a trend that we're going we're to unpack a little bit tonight that maybe has been problematic for other sequels. Um, the next thing we talked about was nuke the site, nuke the site from orbit, finding James Cameron which I think was one of the best uh, titles of this whole thing. Um, we talked about Cameron as a filmmaker, about how young he was, how unproven he was, and how, although he was the absolute perfect choice for that role, for that film, and that time, in that studio environment, there's like no way that anybody could have known that, um, and how miraculous it was that he ended up making such a, a an amazing movie, given how inexperienced and young and unproven he was. Um, and then we moved on to Who Snow White, where we talked about the miracle of Ellen Ripley and about how uh, Ripley as a character really came into her own as the Ripley that we know and love her as in, in Aliens and how she has become an icon in many ways, socially and culturally, as a result of that role and how um, nuanced and how fascinating Sigourney Weaver's portrayal was and also how well-written the character was just as a heroic archetypal new type of role for us to talk about. Um, and then we moved on to episode 97. We had a, a spotlight with Brian Dillon in the middle. And we, talk, we had a roundtable um, called The Myth and the Magic of Aliens, where we had me, Jamie, Clara, Sean, Mike, and Connor on all at the same time and had this crazy fun time kind of unpacking um, the impact of Aliens as a film and as a cultural artifact and as something in our lives. We talked a lot about how it was a movie that we fell in love with as kids and how we've introduced it to our own kids and our own nieces and nephews, etc. 
and how uh, how it's more than just a movie, how it's really a part of the global cultural landscape. Um, and then we moved, moved on to episode 98, where we talked about the Queen. And I think this this might be my favorite of the series so far, actually, because it was the one where I kind of, I, th- this one was my idea. I kind of tossed it out there because I just love the idea of the Queen. And I think she's just such a, a cool design and represents such an interesting kind of shift. And then Jamie fucking started the episode off by saying <laughs> he had issues with her. <laughs> and I think the whole rest of the show was just, was fun because we we were doing what we what we kind of set out to do in the first place, which is unpack these, you know, these myths and look at it as as real things and kind of think about whether or not an idea is overrated. And I think some of the conversations that came out of that episode 98 are um, some of the most interesting ones that we've had. And then we had a spotlight with Clara, and then we had the 100th episode celebration. And then because the Queen episode went so well, we came back to back to it, and we had Clara, Connor, Sean, Dave, Michael, and Bryant Dillon um, on with us to talk about the Queen, and that was another um, very fun episode. And then we talked about we talked with Johnny Christmas. We did a review of Alien Blackout, and then just a few weeks ago, we talked about how every character matters in Aliens, and how the the way that the characters, the ways in which they're written, and the ways in which they have sort of entered into into cinema history, are so indelible and so interesting, and why some of the reasons for that are. And that's something that I, I really honestly think. Um, it's almost impossible to talk about that aspect of the film being overrated because those characters, as we've established, are just absolutely amazing. And then we had our Dispelling Rumors minisode, and here we are tonight um, with episode 106, part 8 of 40 Miles of Bad Road, to talk about whether or not it's overrated. Yeah, we got through a lot, um, but it's really been fun. It's really been a, a really great journey, um, and really, despite all of our uh, kind of back and forth and maybe some challenging challenges on our opinions or our ideas about what Aliens is or isn't, I've fallen back in love with the film, um, mm-hmm. which I think is great, and certainly I, it's the film I've seen the most of the trilogy. Um, even though Alien 3 is my favorite, it's hard for me to watch it, um, so I, I've just enjoyed 40 Miles. Uh, it's been such a fun ride and thanks to everyone who's been on the show clara dave michael mike um sean and connor and just all of our team who've 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 been there to to talk about it with us to give their opinion some of them were up at like two in the morning to be on the show it's been really really great it's been a a really fun time and uh just to everyone who's listened um thank you uh so much for again giving us uh uh a place to kind of share with the community. And also, you know, like Inga, uh, who's part of our team who has not been on an episode yet, although we're going to have him on soon, hopefully just finding such amazing behind the scenes photos. I I feel like aliens is one of those movies where like we have all watched the special features on every single DVD and blue, blue ray set and digital download. You know, we all own the, the ancillary documentary stuff that you would think at this point, you know, we have the onset photography books. You would think we would have seen everything, and yet somehow Inga finds these amazing images that, um, as far as I know, like don't exist in printed form anywhere. They're just on the internet, and it's just incredible to think that this movie now that came out over thirty years ago is that that there are still things, and, and a movie that you and I have probably seen the combined five hundred times, <laughs> to put it you know conservatively. Oh yeah, that there are still things about it that are uh, surprising. I have to say, something I've loved about this series is 
the fact that because just sort of as prep work for it, I've been watching it more frequently than I know. I mean, it's a movie that I already watched a lot anyway, but I've been watching it like weekly, you know, during this thing. And um, part of why I've been doing that is because my kids have just become like absolutely fucking obsessed with it. And uh, like you, you have been sending you pictures. I'm like, oh, look, guess what we're doing again? And the kids are just sitting there, you know, with their pretend colonial Marines backpacks and helmets on. And they're sitting there holding the aliens, the Kenner toys, and watching the movie. And um, it's been absolutely wonderful. And this series has been a chance for me to, you know, the kids have already sort of been inculcated in alien stuff. You know, we do the Alien Day stuff every year. And, you know, they're, they're already into it. But they've fallen in love with aliens the same way that I did as a young person. And I think I've, I've really realized the power that the narrative and the characters and the effects have on like just the human spirit that anybody at any stage of their life, you know, or my kids are five and two that they can fall madly enough in love with it. That like, that that's, it's something that they think about all the time. You know, it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. And by the way, uh, for those who haven't seen Patrick's kids, he has two of the cutest boys I have ever seen. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh. They're just the sweetest little things and they love aliens. And he's uh, been, Scaring them at the ages of five and two <laughs> with xenomorphs and cursing. It's, it's, <laughs> and chest it's true. I do check it. I'm, I'm like, I'm like, is it okay with you guys? And they're like, oh yeah, like I'm scared, but but I want to watch it again. Yeah, it's it's been it's been because the movie is that good. You know, yeah, yeah. it's a movie. I have probably watched Aliens honestly a thousand times. In my oh, life. I yeah, I I, I probably I mean, have watched. I've probably watched Aliens. 350 times at least i mean i have no clue like you know froyland gardner our good friend uh he i he and i you know have hung out in real life before uh and i've seen his house which is covered in alien shit and he actually you know he's an artist and he just puts aliens on in the background almost every day while he produces his artwork for his job so it's just always playing in the background and he has never gotten tired of it you know yeah i know Um, what that's like i mean i do that with certain movies sometimes aliens but Oftentimes it's the Dark Crystal, which everyone knows. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just one of those things where you're something that continues to inspire you creatively. Um, but I say we jump right in. Um, yeah, with, yeah, yeah. With this topic and along the lines of what we're talking about in terms of the films that we were first introduced to, which is Aliens for both you and me. And then, uh, no, 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 not for me. Oh, wait, wait. No, 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 no. I can't remember. No, no, it was Alien, bitch. Straight. Hey, Sarge. Hey, lip cancer smoking those. I want this loading lock sealed now. But 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 <laughs> after that, so it was Alien first, and then I was like, well, what's the next one about? And then I saw that, and I liked it a thousand times more than Alien. Yeah. So I watched that all the time as a kid, and then as I kind of like grew up a little bit, I started falling in love with Alien more, which is still my favorite. Yeah. Well, but, but there there was a time in my childhood where Aliens was something that I watched probably every single day after school. And it was like a guiding force in my life and still is, to be, to be honest. Well, I, I think that there's there's something that's specific that I wanted to kind of bring to your attention and the attention of our listeners as I think about being introduced to Aliens first. I think me being introduced to Aliens first did a disservice to Alien. Um, and I'm, pl- I'm playing devil's advocate um, in this episode specifically, no, again, and I don't know why I always feel like, or we always feel like, we have to kind of Yo, say you we love this movie. This movie Jamie. Shut up. Jamie fucking hates this <laughs> I movie. I hate it. You, you know, this is all you talk. You, you go, man. I still hate aliens. I'm gonna tell you. We gotta be a stranger. 
No. Um, no, let's just not say that anymore. People know that at this point. We, yeah. For one thing, we've done nine fucking hours. Of this I know, I know. So, but I just feel like... And it is one we, of our we just live in this of all cult, time. We live in this time where people are so black and white about things. Like, I know, if you I don't know. love it, you hate it. And I, I can't stand that. But we that. don't we're hate not, it. Yeah, we don't. We, we don't, don't hate it. We both obviously. love the movie. Let's but, not say it anymore. But, you fucking hate it. Go ahead. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, as I... You know, when Alien 3 rolled around and it took me about a year after its release to see it, uh, because everyone knows I wasn't able to see it at the time, um, Alien 3 stood out to me as something wholly unique. And there was some mirroring of Alien in Alien 3, but it was a completely new story, completely new setting. Everything that we were familiar with was gone. As I look at Aliens, I the bones of the story... We have Sigourney Weaver Ripley waking up 57 years later, floating in space. Um, of course, it's a very different kind of opening. She wake, she wakes up on Gateway Station. Um, although, f- funny enough, I think about Interstellar and uh, um, Cooper. He kind of has a similar ending where he wakes up after being floating in space for very long. I don't know why that just came into my head. Anyways, um, <laughs> uh, a <laughs> little anecdote there. But... So Ripley is then taken back to, well, they kind of convince her to go back to LB-426, which is the, you know, the the movie from the first, the, the planet from the first movie. The it moon have, from the first movie. The moon, whatever. Um, it didn't have a name, but of course in Aliens it does have a name. But what strikes me about Aliens is that eventually towards, toward, well, I would say towards the last third of the film, it starts to beat for beat, repeat things that we've seen in Alien. And uh, even though he does it wonderfully, every beat is a reflection of a beat we've seen before where there's a countdown happening. Ridley has to go, instead of going back to the ship, she's going back into the atmosphere processor. Instead of getting Jonesy, she's getting um, Newt. Um, And of course, there's this countdown. She meets an alien. She's got to run away from the alien, just like in Aliens. She eventually escapes in this little narcissist-like pod which is the dropship or a, a different dropship. Um, just when she thinks she's fine, the alien's on board, there's a battle, and she blows it out into space. And, and, I, also, blows, and also blows up the, you know, just like the Nostromo yes. blew up, she bl- blow, <laughs> blows up yeah. all, of the, all of the colony too, yeah. And to be honest with you, I, I think that there's a, a couple of different things happening with aliens. Um, I think in terms of supporting characters, which we've discussed on uh, the episode... I think those characters are wholly unique and different and just they have never been equaled yet. They're amazing. In terms of characters, Alien stands apart as uh, a, a new ensemble of people that don't seem familiar. They're not Parker, Lambert, Ash, Dallas. They're very different from them. Um, they don't have much in common except for they're people who are kind of in this job and they got to do a job. But this, they, they have a bigger kind of global outlook. Uh, aside from that, I, I feel like the more I see Aliens, the more glaring James Cameron's re- repetition from Alien stands out to me. And I want to make a, a, another specific note. As I've gotten older, as we get older, we see these filmmakers who are now our age who are making movies, and a lot of those filmmakers end up telling similar stories of films that they'd loved before, whether it's J.J. Abrams kind of retelling A New Hope, um, or Quentin Tarantino retelling other films that he's seen before that he loves. Now, this doesn't mean that their films are bad. It doesn't mean it's not a bad or good thing, 
But I feel like James Cameron, in a way, relied too heavily upon the beats of a film that we've seen before. And I think it's hurt. it hurts the film a little bit. Um, now, it only hurts the film in my, in my perspective because we're always looking at it and talking about it and breaking it down. So maybe that's just something that's synonymous with me or us. Um, the more we talk about it, the more we break it down, it's going to kind of look different to us. You know, it's like when you go and dissect something, you know, you, you, you open up a person they're not going to look like a person. They're going to look like their, 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 you know, their arteries, their veins, their, all, all of, it's going to look very, very different. Um, but I, I just really feel like, part of the film is not aging as well because it's so derivative in some portions uh, to Alien. All right, we waste him. It's funny because when I watch the movie, I, 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 there, are, there are things that like I, I can obviously see as being parallel, but because the tone of it is so different and because the pace of it is so different, it, it never really kind of bothers me. But I think it's worth noting that the, the sort of the final third, you know, I, I mean, I guess the, both movies are in four acts, but we'll say the, the third act of Alien and the third act of Aliens, which are both pretty similar, like, you know, in terms of story beats, like you're mentioning, is basically are the same as Jaws, right? Because, like, you know, if you think about, like, after Quint's um, story about the Indianapolis when, there's, when they're on the Orca, the shark kind of comes back out of nowhere, smashes the boat, and so because of that, the Orca starts sinking. So it's just like when in Alien, uh, the Nostromo is overheating and it's getting prepared to self-destruct, right? At the last 10 minutes of, of the Nostromo's life. Um, and just like in Aliens, how the the entire terraforming station is blowing up, right? Like, it's the same thing. So th- things are falling apart. The boat's sinking. And then in the midst of that, the monster returns, right? So <clears throat> in Jaws, the shark comes back, kills Quint. Um, it starts dragging the, what's left of the boat around. Um, and then in Alien, the you know, the big chap comes all of a sudden shows up while Ripley's going back to get Jonesy. And all of a sudden it's like in the same space. And then likewise in aliens, the queen shows up and that adds this whole extra layer of complication. So like while the boat is sinking or the Nostromo's overheating or the terraforming station on Acheron is blowing up, um, you have like the big baddie kind of coming back from more. And then, and then all three of them end, you know, in jaws, the shark Bruce actually explodes the Nostromo explodes and and Hadley's Hope explodes. And I think that like it I think it's worth pointing out that there are certain tropes in action horror thrillers that work so well that you can kind of put any story on them and they will they will function in a in a narrative context, I think, really effectively. Now what the reason why I think I don't hold that against aliens is because I think it serves almost a necessary function, which is Aliens is such a divergence from Alien in so many different ways, right? We talk about that a lot, about the audacity of having this complete recontextualization where you go from being, you know, unarmed and alone in a haunted house to being colonial Marines fighting, you know, for freedom and hope in the galaxy and uh, against hordes and hordes of, of endless xenomorphs, right? There's a huge tonal shift that happens there. And I think that if Aliens had a more divergent plot in terms of the story beats that it had, I think it would be too far away from Alien to feel like a sequel. I think something about the arc that it takes, even down to the, in my opinion, the the corniest aspect of it, which is the fourth act surprise queen reemergence, I think 
I think it works because it makes it feel like an echo of the first film in a way that it sort of hadn't before that. Even though there are other things like, you know, like instead of a distress beacon, you know, they're going to back to LV-426 to investigate the colonist situation, blah, blah, But, um... Yeah, it's like the antithesis of a distress speaking. They're not hearing anything, so now they got to go back. (laughs) It's like the absence of a distress speaking. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, like, so they're, but they're, but the idea of being they're drawn not only even just to any place, but to the same exact LV forty six, the same, the same moon. Um, I do think that there are there are sort of facsimile aspects to it, but I actually think that they work in the favor of the film, personally. Well, actually, as you've been talking, I. I've had some clarity, I think. Maybe what could be even affecting my opinion about aliens is the fact that we've had that trope. Like, well, first of all, I think when Alien premiered in 79, that the idea that the monster's not dead, it's still here, it was relatively new for then. But, you know, fast forward 40 years later, how many scary films have we seen where they think they've killed him? They, oh, he's not dead, or it's not dead. It's coming back. It's here with you. You know, we've seen but, I mean, it over. But to be fair, again, just in Jaws four years earlier, you know, you had the tiger shark that was caught yeah. halfway through. And, yeah, you know, but, but it was I, still somewhat new. Like these were uh, even <clears throat> like that that summer blockbuster f- fair um, was this new phenomenon that was happening. So it's right. not like people were going to right. movies every summer and seeing the same trope. These tropes were new. It did, you know it wasn't happening. Alien was a, a film. Yes, uh, in Jaws, there was something similar going on there, um, but it was still very singular to that experience. And Alien did it in its own way. So it wasn't like, oh, we've seen this before. Whereas nowadays, when we see a film that's a scary movie or a suspenseful film or whether it's a monster film or a haunted house film or whatever, or a horror film, we expect that the end isn't the end, that... They're right. going to, you know, Freddy's going to come back. Jason's going to come back 10 minutes before the film ends or, th- mm-hmm. you know, three minutes. And they're going to have to kind of put that knife in its head one more time. So and and then if you which, which at- I think is part as part of why actually a, a lot of newer like independent or not even independent, but like, you know, horror movies like um, like Hereditary or The Witch or, or things that don't rely on those same. Yes. Patterns. Yes. I think are really effective or get out Absolutely. movies that, that sort of follow a, a different like they're frightening. But um but in, in, in the way that something like, you know, Rosemary's Baby is frightening, something mm-hmm. that has like sort of a more gradual psychological I don't think Rosemary's it. Baby is frightening at all. In fact, I remember watching it thinking, this is stupid. Um, I, think the, I think the book is scary, actually. Yeah, I, maybe I have to read the book, but I just yeah, read, the movie yeah, was the ridiculous. Uh, the, um, yeah, the movie, I don't think it's aged very well either. But but my point being that it's, it's and I, I guess that's, the, so, well, here's another thing, which we haven't talked about. You know, James Cameron was very overt about this. And speaking of special features, he says this on Charles de Las Ricas, absolutely wonderful um, quadrilogy special features. He talks about how he set out to make, to capture terror and not horror, right? So Alien was a horror experience and Aliens from the beginning was a terror experience. And I think that the aspects of Alien that lend themselves to terror are the are the final act of the film, right? Where it's it becomes not this psychologically unsettling gore-filled, confusing thing, it becomes a sense of running away from danger, you know? Aliens is, is the reason why it functions well from a terroristic perspective <laughs> it doesn't function as a terrorist. That's not a word. Patrick just made up a word, everyone. Terrorist. <laughs> Writing it down. The, the reason why it functions from a good terror perspective is because the whole thing 
hits those beats, right? There's there there's almost no aspects to aliens that are confusing and um, that you will have nightmares about in a way that you can wake up and not be not know if you're awake. Like I, I have nightmares about aliens sometimes, um, but they're they're not that scary because it's more just a matter of like finding a place to hide and if you get caught, it's like oh fuck. But like when you have a nightmare about alien and you see fucking you know Giger's biomechanics in it, you know, and you see fucking statues doing blowjobs on chickens and shit. It's you know that that is that is horror. Blowjobs on chickens, people. Blowjobs yeah. on chickens. <laughs> you heard it here. Blowjobs on chickens. Anally you know, raping chickens, people. I mean, that's what that's what the people want. You know, that's what the people want. So my point being that uh, aliens, I think, because the whole thing is steeped in terror, I think it 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 works really effectively um, on those same sort of beats that Jaws, which is also a very terrifying film, hits. And that's why I think, in the absence of the horror aspect of Alien, I think it stands on its own as a in terms of pace and in terms of story beats as something that feels unique enough to not be held down by the legacy of the film that came before it. And I agree with what you said, that some things that have happened since then, like Covenant, which is one of my favorite movies, even though I like to bring up problems with it a lot because I think it's important to do that, I think Covenant hits a lot of the same story beats. And because it is very much a horror film, I think actually more than anything since Alien, in the saga, Covenant is a horror movie, which is a huge reason why I love it so much. But because it hits some of the same story points, and because we've seen it before, and because tonally it's more horrifying, I think it feels more derivative than Aliens feels of Alien. Well, and let's even back it up further. Let's talk about the the elephant in the room, which is Alien Resurrection. What happens in Alien Resurrection? In Alien Resurrection, you have Call, you have Ripley and Jonner and Varese escaping in the Narcissist. Well, I'm sorry, escaping in the Betty, which is very Narcissist in its just a smaller ship. What happens? The newborns are on, bo- on board. What what do they do to the newborn? They blow it out the airlock. In, in they literally way. blow it out an airlock. Um, so, and it, it, of course, it was a much more gross, horrific way. Um, and then you have, uh, even I think in Prometheus, you have, even though it's not the alien that's alone with Shaw in that little hovel or whatever that thing is, that ship that they eject, it's essentially the the engineer's acting the same way where she's in this little ship where she she should be safe and then she finds out he's after you he's coming for you so she's cornered and alone in this ship um and then you got the big ass trilobite face hugger thing and then yeah which is like the the queen trilobite essentially it's like the queen yeah exactly and then you have you know fast forward to covenant and then you have more essentially beat for beat retelling of alien and aliens. So I think that might even for myself color the way that I see aliens a little bit like, man, every, ever almost every film except for alien three, which I, I actually, as we, the further out we get from these films, the more I think alien three is a unique, a wholly unique vision that, uh, David Fincher and the people who wrote that story and David Fincher directing it, did something that the Alien series has not seen before. They made a completely different movie, not relying upon any tropes we had seen before. All the other films rely on those same tropes. But it was by accident, which is the craziest thing of, of it all. Was, it, was, it, was, it was a wonderful it was, accident. It and was much accidentally to the of, unique yeah. like that. And like, much to the it, chagrin it, of all the fans. You know, a lot of people right. are like, fuck that movie, you know. But right. it's the most unique film since the original. And maybe that's why we've seen this evolving fan mentality. You and I both loved Alien Three since we were, you know, young. But since uh, I was, but since I was, since you were in your fifties, and yeah. 
<laughs> but right, but 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 I, I do. I, I think it's clear, and we've talked about this that fandom seems to be kind of turning a corner on Alien Three, and I think it's for what you're talking about, which is that it it, it is consistently proving itself to be unique, and part of that is the fact that it by accident and also by skill ended up having a totally different story structure. Although that being said, it still has the the terror aspect of the whole entire chase sequence at the end and, you know, trapping the alien. But I mean, but, it, but it's all done so differently, you know, like the alien is drowned and overheated well, instead of being, but you if know, you think about space it, like shit. in, in aliens um, and alien, well, I would say in aliens, they're trying to blow it out into space, but in alien three, it was a complete turn on its head. Instead of the alien chasing everyone else, they were chasing it. Right. Like that had right. not been done before. Every other film since the alien or the engineer or whatever are chasing people. It goes, it reverted back to that trope. Hey, look, the Sarge and Dietrich aren't dead, man. Their signs were real low, but they ain't dead. Then we go back in there and get them. Fuck that. We don't leave our people behind. I ain't that. going back you in there. You can't help lady. them. You can't. Yeah, a- Alien Three has has really, I think, solidified itself as a masterpiece, and and I honestly think the theatrical cut is 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 wonderful. Like, I, I am not. Yeah, I prefer the like theatrical. A, I prefer too. That's 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 the version that I know and love the best, and I I love the assembly, but I don't feel like I need it. I, I feel like the the actual story and the way it's constructed um, are unique and, and beautiful, and I think that it actually has played a little bit against Aliens, in terms of fandom and i think part of why you're seeing a little bit of a pushback on aliens which is part of why we were inspired to do this whole arc of this mini series in the first place because we, we were wanted to talk about aliens as, as a as a real movie you know part of why i think you've seen more people complaining about aliens lately is perhaps because uh because we've seen those story beats done over and over and over again and we've started to look at it more as a sort of commercial product and less as sort of a unique artistic statement like alien 3 is and i think that um, also, just the 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 world is not the world it was in the mid 1980s, and I think that um, we've seen this tremendous disillusionment with a lot of the thing. We've talked about this in the series a lot, but I, I think that like the, we we are not a world that loves to go see, you know, uh, exceptionalism and uh, sort of jingoism in space, and it's just not where we are right now. You know, I I mean, you can even look at a movie like First Man, which you and I both love, um, which has received pushback pa- from hates First Man. Just I fucking love yo, you fucking hate it. this he all the time. Just because I don't have a constant boner for this movie, I fucking love <laughs> that movie. I'm just I, I fucking hate that movie. You hate Aliens. No, I love <laughs> First Man. I love your mom. I fucking love the movie. But but I but I think that um, it's gotten pushback from some people who I won't you know. I won't call idiots, although they are, that it doesn't, it, that it's not patriotic enough. Okay, for one thing, that's not true. I, it, it, it is clearly about an American landing on the moon, and that's a big part of it, but it's it's the story of one particular American person in his life. Um, but I, I think that, like, the world is not interested in making movies like that. If, that if, if First Man had been made in 1989, we'll say, I think that it would be all about... America landing on the moon. It would have been much more like Apollo 13, right? Where you have these brilliant American engineers and they're, it's very patriotic and they're getting ticker tape parades and shit. Um, and, you know, and that, I mean, Apollo 13 was 10 years after that. So I think that, um, 
the world has moved into a different place and that could be part of why we're looking at aliens as something that doesn't feel quite as like uh honest anymore well and i think it's we're in a place where everyone wants comfort food everyone wants to be comforted what what do we see coming out of hollywood uh pivoting towards nostalgia Let's remake this. Let's redo this. Let's do a, a TV series about this. Let's uh, do a live action version of this animated film. And let's do it over and over. Let's bring back 90210. Let's bring back um, Full Full House. Let's bring back all of these shows. They're, they just announced Mad About You returning with Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt on for Apple. Apple. What? Yeah, yeah. Um, I didn't see that. So what's happening is it's we, we're, we're losing ourselves in nostalgia. And I completely agree with you that um, exceptionalism, American exceptionalism, or maybe cinematic except- exceptionalism, is is dying. And I don't think it's gonna going to die. I think it will. There will be a resur- resurgence of it. But right now, I think it's really hard for dynamic. I mean, I think uh, Annihilation is one of the best science fiction films I've ever seen. But I people, I feel like people want something more comforting than that. They don't want uncertainty. They don't want uncertainty because politically, socioeconomically, that's the le- that's where we're living right now. We're well, living I, completely I feel like a movie... in, un- in uncertain times, and people don't want to see that right. in films. They don't want to see nihilism in. Not to say that you know a great film is a nihilist film, whether it's a science fiction film or whatever. Uh, and I think even the 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 waning of The Walking Dead has a lot to do with people feel like. I need to feel better about myself than <laughs> no. Us. Seriously, yes, 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 totally. No, no. James. Listen, no, listen, listen, of listen. The Walking Dead is because it's fucking awful now. It's no. so bad. Listen. It has nothing to do You're with it. No, it doesn't. Okay, go talk. <laughs> you fucking hate that movie. Uh, which movie? It's not a movie. Aliens. It's a show, yo. Uh, I hate aliens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I think um, one of the reasons why The Walking Dead, the show, which used to be my favorite show on TV for a long, long time. I was obsessed. Uh, for the first six and a half, seven yeah, seasons. Yeah, me too. I, and I, 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 oh I mean, I was there. We used to have parties. And then I, got people yeah, over. Yeah. And then I realized I'm just seeing the same thing over and over and over. Where yeah, right. People, exactly. And, I, but, uh, and emotionally, I couldn't handle it. I couldn't handle watching these people, people that I love, die, be killed off. And then, oh, things are okay. Things aren't okay. Oh, there's another group of humans that are after us. Oh, things are okay now. Oh, they're not okay anymore. Oh, look, we're going to take Carl's eye. Oh, look, we're going to kill his mother. Oh, look, we're going to kill him. Like, I, And I think that people, I have a point to this. I think that people uh, have grown weary with The Walking Dead for the same reason um, people have grown weary with cinematic exceptionalism. Um, I think that uh, people are pivoting to something that's comforting to them. You know, uh, bring in all of these shows that have been revisited. I even think uh, the pivot in in Covenant was in some ways to kind of bring people a little bit of comfort. That's where we're in. That's 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 the uh, look at look at the reception to 2049, which is an amazing film. And actually it is uh, not derivative at all. And it has a somewhat happy ending. But it's a very uncertain film, and it's a very dank, cold, um, unforgiving future. And I don't think people want to see that right now. I don't think people want to see... And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, the young adult novels have kind of had their time. Again, very uncertain futures. And I think people are at a place now where they want to be comforted. They want to be reminded of 
what brought them joy, what brought them hope, because that's not the world we're living in right now, especially in America, but all over the world where you have Brexit, where you have the administration here in the country, um, where there's just uncertainty everywhere and people are turning to media to bring them comfort, to bring them certainty. Like I can watch, go watch stranger things and I can remember what it was like growing up in the eighties. Hey, I mean, I'm one of those people as well, but I also think it's affecting the kind of films that we're getting. And, um, almost maybe to pivot back to aliens, this love, this kind of very populist love of aliens because it's so comforting to us. And it's not that it isn't a good film, but I think, we need to move away from it. We need to move away from Ripley. We need to move away from those things and let new, exciting, dynamic stories be told. But it's a very, very tough thing. Um, yeah. So, I, I, I think so. I, I think I, I do think that you're onto something with the comfort food, but stuff. I think that what it's more about though is that what people want now are more based in established IP that brings them comfort, that reminds them specifically of their childhood. But I, I think it's worth, I just pulled up the list of the highest grossing films of 86 when Aliens came out, and it's Top Gun, Crocodile Dundee, Platoon, Karate Kid Part 2, Star Trek Four, Back to School, Aliens, The Golden Child, Ruthless People, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. A, a list that is, by and large, comfort food, you know? But I mean, only like, one of them is a sequel, or two of them are a sequel. That's it. Well, no, no, Corona Karate Kid Part Two, yeah. Star Trek Four. Okay. So yeah, so okay, so yeah, so two of them. Okay, so so you're right. So the sequelization thing is that that has changed, but by and large, films that do well usually are films that bring comfort and escapism to a lot of people. So so I, I think that like we're seeing a new strain of that but i think a movie like annihilation would have done poorly in any environment because it's 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 like stalker it's a movie that is it's hard it's a hard thing to market and it's a hard thing to watch if you're not predisposed to those sorts of movies i've watched annihilation a million times and not get tired of it but most of the people that i interact with on a day-to-day basis have never heard of it and if they have heard of it um, many of them don't like it because they think it's slow and they and they don't really understand what's going on, you know? So that's a separate conversation. But there but, used to be a time, though. Aliens. There was a time, certainly in the 80s, when uh, there's, you know, you and I and the, the, the generation that was, being, was, was growing up were being raised with movies for the first time in history. Um, our parents weren't raised with movies. I mean, in right. terms of the access that right. we had to movies that we could just well at home do, right? yeah at home and just watch movies over and over and over I mean when I was a kid I would watch a VHS uh, you know of, of a film over and over and over whether it was The Dark Crystal or Flight of the Navigator or Aliens or you name it I was watching it over and over and over our parents didn't have that luxury um, but and there was a there was more of a um, a willingness for audiences to go see a film that they've you know cin- cinema was still being born in a way. Yes, it had been going on for a long time, but the effects were being pushed to a new level. The, the, type, the types of uh, worlds that could be created were, were uh, you, know, you know, Blade Runner. You know, we had never seen a world like that before. Some very dynamic things were happening. Um, and now we live in a time where you can do anything. Um, you can make any world and people are like, eh, that was boring, you know, because it's, it's not enough. Well, I, I'm just distracted by this. I've just never actually looked at the list of highest-grossing films of '86, and, I, and I'm I'm genuinely surprised that Aliens, for one thing, wasn't higher up. It's number seven, and it's sandwiched between a Rodney Dangerfield movie and an Eddie Murphy movie. 
you know, I, I feel like when we talk about aliens because of its cultural legacy, we talk about it like it's this thing that just completely destroyed everything that year. But it actually didn't. As successful as it was, it wasn't this hugely dominant thing. But I think it's worth pointing out that Aliens got seven Oscar nominations and won eight Saturn Awards. Um, yep. So, you know, critically speaking at the time, it, it was it was already hugely successful. Um, and it's it's interesting, like, you know, the question of whether or not it's overrated, I think, is more complicated than just looking at it from a lens of history and looking at it as whether or not it's aged well. Because I think it's worth looking at it as why we go to the movies in the first place, you know? And I think that that is the question that you have to answer before you can come to a determination about whether or not it's overrated. And the hard thing with these conversations, and this is why, you know, the more we talk about a movie like Covenant and the more I find ways to pick it apart and to find things that are wrong with it, the more I actually, I actually, I, I mean, I love it more now than I did when it came out, and I loved it when it came out, and I think it's because the reasons I go to the movies are really spoken to in Covenant. There are things in Alien Covenant that I am so madly in love with that you could fucking write off every other aspect of it, and I would be okay with that because I have a fundamental affinity for it. And I think what's hard with Aliens is that, speaking personally, I have that with Aliens as well. I feel like I could watch Aliens, you know, weekly for the rest of my... I might do this. we <laughs> watch it every week for the rest of my life. And I will be completely happy doing that because it's speaking to something deep within me that loves film. And so it might be corny and it might not have aged well and it might hit story beats that we've anticipated and seen before. But somewhere beneath that, there's something very fundamental and visceral that Aliens is addressing for me personally, and I think for a lot of fans. And that's why, I, I, so I personally do not think that it's overrated. Um, and I think that part of why I'm saying that is because, you know, we've spent, you know, the last six months talking about it on almost a weekly or bi-weekly basis. And, um, and I care more about it now than I did then. You know, we, we went into the series talking about how we felt kind of disconnected from aliens and about how it's something that we kind of had we haven't been talking about very much even though it's when when most of the world thinks about our franchise the one that we love so dearly they think about aliens because it's the one most of the people saw out there um and i think you know this whole journey for for me personally has been really kind of reconnecting with why that movie changed and continues to change my life so much and realizing that just like Covenant, I can find things to pick apart about it. I can find things that haven't aged well. I can find instances where the ADR looks like shit, and I can find instances where the color grading is off, and I can find, you know, I think that the that the edition that came out in 1990 with 17 extra minutes is actually pretty dumb. I think that it, it, it detracts from the story quite a bit. Um, I, I'm, I'm able to, to see things like that in a more honest way now and look at them as flaws that don't detract fundamentally and intrinsically from the reason why I watch Aliens in the first place. And I think the reason I watch Aliens in the first place is because it sparks my imagination uh, in a way that virtually nothing else does. It makes me feel from the very beginning to the very end, every time, like it's real. And like I'm watching something unfolding that is so fantastical and scary and exciting um, that 
I can breathe it and I can smell it. And the Sulaco, in my mind, in my mind's eye, the Sulaco is up there right now. You know, Gateway Station's up there right now. These are real places. It doesn't even feel like fiction to me. It feels like something in my subconscious that has rooted itself so deeply that at this point it's hard to tell where I end and where this memory of this film begins, you know? So to me it's not overrated because it's um it's 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 good enough and it serves a purpose enough that it's part of me. I hope you're right. I really do. I would agree with you. I would uh echo your sentiment. I believe the film is not overrated. Um and I, I think that you really you've really touched upon some very important things and I, I think about aliens and how exciting it is as a film. Um, and it it came it was born in this time of American optimism, which was the eighties, um, where America uh, and the world was kind of still reeling from the places that we've come from, the sixties, the seventies. Not all was well with the world, and nothing, not all will ever be well with the world. But it was a very different time, and Aliens is a triumph because it offers such great hope, um, and it offers a sense of family, and I've talked about this many times, um, that I haven't seen done in a film since, in an alien film, for sure. And we can watch Aliens and engage and see Vasquez doing the same thing we've seen her do over and over and over since 1986, and she's family. Or whether it's Gorman or even Burke in his skeeziness, um, it's, this, it's this dynamic that's in place that it, that does inspire me and it inspires me to that I know what good characters are that I know what good writing is in a way that no other film except for maybe Alien 3 of late has has been able to do and the bar was set high and yes you know we kind of opened this this episode talking about story beats and you know those those things still are very true but it happened in a time where it wasn't happening all of the time it was more of a, 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 a homage or a mirror effect as opposed to, oh, they're just repeating the same thing over and over. Um, so again, I would uh, agree with you that I do not think that the film is overrated. Um, but I do think uh, as, a, as, a, as, an, as a sequel, you know, even, you know, it, Aliens is talked about in, in circles all over as being one of the best sequels ever made. And I, I, I attest to that. I agree with that. I think it is. Um, it's a very, very difficult thing to do, but the James Cameron in that point of his career had a lot to prove and he proved it. I think it's still a high bar to reach. I think every alien film that we might see afterwards, uh, or, you know, say after this Disney merger happens is going to be compared to aliens because that's the litmus test alien. It won't be compared to because it's such a different film, which we're going to get into, you know, in the coming weeks, um, but uh, yeah, it's it's almost a, mis- a mystery of a film, to be honest with you. And I, I, part of me wonders if if there's a problem with that because <clears throat> I mean, Aliens was so divergent from Alien, and it was so audacious and and, and different and successful. <clears throat> and I think it set up this paradigm because you know, I mean, Alien. When it, it when it was came into the world, obviously it didn't have anything to build on. It was its own movie, right? But but since that came out, everybody's had to build on something. And Aliens changed the form. It might not have changed the story beats, but it changed the basic recipe, the basic formula, so hugely that it set up this expectation that you kind of have to do that, or um, 
you will be compared to one of the two greatest films ever made. And Alien and Aliens are always on lists of the great films ever made, you know? Um, like, I'm sure they're both on the AFI 100 list. <clears throat> um, so that's that's a huge a huge issue, I think. And, and I think... You know, a movie like Alien Three, which was so, which was again, I, I think Alien Three is just as divergent from Aliens as Aliens was from Alien. I mean, that took thirty, almost thirty years to catch on with people, yeah. Because only now are we able to look at it as its own thing and not as something that was just sort of the destruction of what we thought we had um, with Aliens. You know, and maybe we'll see that with Resurrection. Who, I mean, who knows? I mean, like we we we're, we're no, not huge we will Resurrection not see fans. It with Resurrection that is a bad but, film fundamentally. But, but 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 <laughs> the thing is, is that but maybe maybe tastes will change, and in twenty years we'll look at it as something that was actually that because it was so subversive and quirky and weird, actually uh, it was sort of brilliant. I, I mean, I I have long said, and I still believe this really really firmly, that Covenant is a cult film in the making. I, I really feel like the the type of, of fans who have kind of swarmed around that particular movie are so into it. Those of us who love that movie, that it's something that you know we still dialogue about and watch all the time, and I think that you know Covenant it's 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 an interesting case because it's not that divergent, although it is in some ways, um, but it has its own sort of mini following. It's it's just fascinating as, as time goes on to see the legacy that these movies have and how they mutate, you know, um, and I think in some ways Aliens kind of fucked the franchise, and I I really mean that. I feel like in being so successful and so different. It made it almost impossible to know where to go next. That's you know, true. It's true. How I do you, ma- how do you measure up against aliens? Akin to alien, right? I mean, for one thing, it changed the basic nature of the movie, just from horror to terror, like we talked about. But it also it 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 made it into one of the great blockbusters ever. You know, it made it into an audience pleasing space blockbuster, like you know, like like a scary Star Wars. And I feel like uh, unless you're going to like pivot back to sort of an art house approach, then like you, there will always be people who go like some people that I, I, when I went to Covenant, I went with a party of like 15 people. And most of those people think of aliens when they think of the saga and they went there kind of wanting that. And they walked out and they were like, that was kind of scary. Like that was kind of weird. Um, and so like their expectations were not, were not met because like when they think about the franchise, they think about the second film. And, and I, I don't know if that's, I mean, it's not a judgment on Cameron's filmmaking, obviously, because he did, because the problem is that he did such a great job, you know, but he also did such a different job. And I think that's something that gets lost sometimes. I, I want to say one thing that I, that I, I do feel, um, well, I guess we, as we kind of close here, like we can bring up a couple things that we do think are overrated. Um, if that's okay with you. Yeah, I mean, I had essentially uh, one final statement I wanted to make. I mean, we can talk about it, though. Okay, well, well, I'll, I'll go quick because I only have one real problem with the movie. Um, and before I get to that, I, I want to bring up one thing that I was going to mention a while ago that I forgot about, which is that I, I talked about how I think that the Queen's reemergence in the fourth act is, is, is ridiculous. I think it's a testament to how amazing the film is that the I mean the power loader sequence is one of the one of the great scenes in film history and like you couldn't have that and you couldn't have the last 10 minutes of the movie which are just some of the fucking great minutes in filmdom I've ever seen without that ridiculous thing so it's an example of something that is 
out of nowhere and, and kind of dumb and you can make fun of it, but it's it's justified because the whole the whole train is just fucking amazing. It's going so fast. Okay, so talking about being overrated, just briefly, I, I will never be okay with the the uh, the changing of the nature of the xenomorph into a hive organism where there is no fear of an individual and the fear is just from the collective the collective sort of organism I, I, I to me that is is a deep enough alteration to the way that I think about xenomorphs that I uh, I kind of hate it you know I hate when you see you know the, the the alien that gets crushed under the wheels of the APC like I hate that I, I, I hate how you know you can shoot them once like Hicks can shoot an alien with a sawed-off shotgun once in the head and it's just gone I hate the fact that they're by and large human-sized that most of them are played by actors who are like, you know, six feet tall and, and move more or less like, you know, people move and, and are kind of stocky looking. Um, I think that as we've talked about many times on the show, and as we're about to talk about a lot in the upcoming series, part of the strength of, of the saga and, and especially of the creature is, is its alien aspect in terms of being strange and being something we don't have a paradigm for to talk about. And, Aliens kind of ruined that in a lot of ways. You know, it, it gave us the big answer, which is the queen, you know, about where who's laying the eggs and where they're coming from. It gave us aliens who you can beat with a handgun. You know, you can shoot them in the head and they're dead, just like they were just like some sort of a, you know, criminal, like a human, you know. Um, and they are, by and large, not... Um, like, the, you look at them and you immediately know how they move and how they operate. They're not balletic. They don't feel like, like dancers. Um they feel more like bugs and and that if if you're watching the movie for the marines that's a good thing but if you're watching the movie for the xenomorphs i think it kind of screws them up a little bit and and i think that that is something that um i hold against the movie every time i see it is i, I wish that they weren't so disposable and so interchangeable i love how big chap feels like a 360 degree character in and of himself it is it, he's so scary because you you can't stop staring at him and wondering what the fuck is going on with this beautiful, terrifying thing. And aliens, like, they kind of run by and they get shot and they die and they're just like any soldier would be. And I think that it is too human and it's not scary. And I think that that is an overrated aspect. I kind of don't like the xenomorphs in the second film. That's interesting. Uh, I would say, actually, I'm going to maybe surprise you. My, what I think is overrated or what is the idea that aliens set up this expectation where most fans are, or maybe a lot of fans just want to see that aesthetic repeated over and over and over. They bring back the Marines, bring back the Marines. And I've talked about this before, like, well, maybe people just, you know, they want it to, they want something to believe in. And maybe that's true as well. But I also feel like this, it's, it's set up the, the series to fail in some ways um how do you beat it and i i don't i don't um approach films like that i, I you just have to make a good film it's not about b being better than the film before it if you're a sequel it's about being a good film on its own um but because aliens continues to be that beacon for everyone um where i feel like fox has always historically been well how do we make another aliens how do we get another aliens what do we do what do we do and it's just not working, and it's not working, and it's not working. Um, and we, and I think it's hurting. Not that what James Cameron did 
uh, hurt the franchise. I just think that uh, it's 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 a fickle thing. It's 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 a hard thing to create a sequel to uh, Alien, and they did it, and they were successful. I mean, just in the sense, in the same way, Blade Runner twenty forty nine is a miracle of a film. How do you follow that up? I don't know. I don't know if you can follow twenty forty nine up. And uh, so the question has been posed: How do you follow Aliens up? Well, let's try Alien Three. I think it's a masterpiece. Most people, a lot of people, are like, "No, fuck that movie." Um, it was not a repeat or uh, an encore of things that they loved from Aliens, and that's what was failing. So oh, let's try Alien Resurrection. Let's let's bring Ripley back. Let's bring some marine type people back. You know that that film fell flat on its face. Let's try Prometheus. You know, um, let's try AVP AVP Requiem. I mean, all of these films, these experiments they're they're attempting, they're all not working. And uh, I think Aliens tends to continue to be the loudest voice, and it's going to take another miracle to uh, create something that uh, can breathe on its own and not rely upon the legacy of films past, of films gone past. But see, what's hard, though, is you're saying two different things. Like, you're saying that I can't rely on the legacy of films past, but you're also saying that um, part of the problem with everything since then is that they've, they've you know, been kind of all over the place. Well, I, I think they've been trying really to rely on... Film quality... But, well, they've been trying to rely on the films of the past. Like, they've been trying to recreate elements of Aliens over and over again because they think, oh, hey, that was successful. Let's get Joss Whedon. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's do this. Let's do that. Let's, you know, right. even Covenant was... I mean, and we've talked about this before in discussions on Covenant or whatever, like just these beats, these, oh, look, he's looking into an egg again. And like we're seeing these same mm-hmm. things over and over and over. And I think that there's a way to tell a story that's wholly unique that that um, honors what's gone by, but tells a completely new story. Um, but see, to me, that was even before I knew that he wanted to retcon Alien 3, which I didn't know the first day I saw the concept art for it. That has always been my problem with the Blomkamp film, which is it feels like it is just kind of a retread of the thing I that I kind you. of thought. We I agree were, with you. It's taken I me a while we to get to that. Trying to move away from it. Yeah, I, it's taken me a while to. But I, that same, that same. Uh, uh, I don't know how do I how do I describe that. The same criticism I have for people wanting more of the same uh, in an alien film is exactly what I wanted from from Blomkamp. Um, and I, I, it took me a while to really see that. Like, Jamie, he's just giving you more of the same. and It's not something new. He's retreading or even he's kind of pivoting back to this to this other familiar place as opposed to telling a new story. And I think you're wholly correct. Um, but I also think a lot of that. But even even more than that, though, he, he's he, he's also erasing things. He's trying to erase things that we've that we've journeyed through together as as a fan yeah, together yeah, over yeah. the last two decades right like trying to erase the hard reality that is alien three and and that i i the last thing i want to point out is it's become increasingly clear to me over the last few years that we've been that i've been involved with this show and and more um you know kind of intimately with fandom at least with social media fandom (laughs) um there are there is there are two camps in alien fandom there are alien people and there are aliens people. And I'm not saying that you can't be in... Obviously, we... Uh, here's the thing. Obviously, we are all in both of those camps. Nobody listening to this is like, oh, I fucking hate one of those movies, but I love it. Right? We all, lo- we all love both of those movies in a really deep place. A deep enough place that you're sitting there, driving your car, listening to us talk for two hours <laughs> about a movie 
you know, that we've gone well over a hundred episodes talking, right? Like, like you love it the way we love it. We both, we, we, everybody involved with this loves both of those movies, but there is a fundamental decision that we all make within our hearts about which of those we prefer. And I think, I, I don't think that there is anybody out there listening to this who, if they're really being honest with themselves late at night, has a hard time deciding which one they love more. I think at some point you become an Alien fan or you become an Aliens fan fundamentally. And that guides everything else about your interactions with fandom because you start looking at it through a different lens. You look at it fundamentally as the story of of you know Ripley alone against the universe or the story of the colonial marines against the invading hordes. And depending on what you like, you will constantly be butting heads with the other camp. So for me, I love Aliens so much, but I love Alien more. So when I see the Blomkamp art, and I see it, because Alien 3 to me is akin to Alien. It is taking the formula back again to this idea that there is this one monster in a haunted house, right? It's a very different story but it is a monster in a haunted house and Ripley is alone and we are seeing her character compressed into a, a pearl, you know, like we're, we are seeing her under so much pressure that this incredibly beautiful thing emerges, which is this, this, this lone, heroic, wonderful character. Um, and so to me, like people who love Alien are usually the same people who defend Alien 3 a lot, but there are tons of people, probably more people, who have constantly been wondering why we didn't get more aliens, because that spoke to something deep within them that they expect out of an alien movie. So for them, the Blomkamp thing has been consistently frustrating, and I have tremendous tremendous empathy for that, because if you've been waiting for 35 years to have Colonial Marines again, and to have Ass Kicker, and to have, you know, Smart Guns, and to have all this shit... And, and somebody says, oh, we're going to give you more of that. And what's more, we're going to pretend like Alien 3 didn't happen. And th- and we are making a legacy decision and saying that Alien fandom is fundamentally Aliens fandom. And then that was denied to you? Yeah, I would be really upset too. But to me, it, it always felt sort of like it was being wrenched away from me. Like, this, like the first film and the third film, which I have always loved more than the second film, were being kind of written out of existence because it, the priority was on the one that made the most money and was the most universally beloved. Um, so I think that's something that's fascinating. The last thing I want to say, and then I'll and then I'll shut up, is um, I don't pretend that I am on the Nostromo. You know, I don't pretend that I'm on Fury One Six One. But fuck, I love pretending to be a colonial marine. With the kids, uh, when I was a kid, I love the idea that 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 aliens speaks to something really imaginative within me and something very childish within me. And that a lot of the, I mean, you you know how I'm I'm fucking ridiculous with the toys and with the collectibles from Operation Aliens and things like that. I mean, that is that is a huge part of my self identity. And that is that is aliens, you know, um, and I think that in that way there is no way that I could ever say it was overrated because it's given me universes of infer- of, uh, of of imagination within myself that I didn't really have access to before it, 
And, um, and I, I will, so as much as, as we can argue about the direction of the prequels, and as much as we can argue about the Blomkamp situation, and as much as we can argue about James Cameron being interviewed on the, um, you know, the Akira, uh, on the, uh, Akita red carpet, Alita. um, Alita, sorry, Akira, 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 Akira. Akira. whatever the fucking movie was, a terrible Akira movie. <laughs> Such wonderful as much things. as we can argue about that. As much as we can argue about that, like I, I will, I will never, till my dying breath, I will, I will never ever take anything away from Aliens in any deep way because it has meant so much to me throughout my life, and I am so forever grateful to James Cameron, to the Skotak brothers who did the effects, to to Ray Lovejoy who edited it, to to Adrian Biddle the cinematographer, to to obviously to O'Bannon and Schuster who gave us the characters, and then to Guyler and Hill who did the story with Cameron, the Galeon Heard, to everybody who made that movie, let alone the incredible actors on set, every day, and the technicians who brought the fucking puppeteers who brought the Queen to life, the people who constructed the sets. I mean, it is a movie that was made by a huge group of people working at the absolute peak of their imaginative powers and whether or not it's aged well and whether or not it represents what I think about when I think about Alien it is something that my life would be poorer in a measurable way if I didn't have it and I think that's a big deal and I fucking love that movie I echo your sentiments I would say the difference is I do imagine myself as an explorer on a ship I don't imagine myself as a colonial marine ever um, I, I what intrigues mm-hmm. me about the alien series is the idea of of a forbidden planet of um, going somewhere we haven't been before and discovering like almost like uh, being an early you know discoverer of, of earth you know whether it was Amerigo Vespucci or whoever um, I, that's when I envision the alien universe or I think of myself in the relationship to that I think of what it would be like to explore an unknown place. Um, but again, um, to pivot back to your sentiments, I, you know, I would not have survived my childhood or teenage years without aliens. Ripley's story in Aliens got me through. And then when I met her again, she got me through again in Alien 3. Um, it, is, I, it is not overrated. It is a, a miracle, a masterpiece of a film um, with incredible effects and acting and everything was just a cocktail something beautiful um that has created a kind of a rich tapestry that we can we will always talk about and we're going to end up talking about it again i'm sorry if i scared you that platform was just becoming too unstable i had to circle and hope that things didn't get too rough to take you off bishop you did okay i did oh yeah we're we you know we are lucky to have a fan community where there is room for people with different opinions and where we can always have this fundamental argument and where we can love each other more for it because we recognize that we all uh, come from places of, of real shared passion and love. And even if we don't agree, we're fucking lucky to have these movies to talk about in the first place. I agree. I agree. I think uh, we are a part of a, a really wonderful uh, fan base and fandom and uh, just the podcast and that we have the the opportunity to talk about these films and uh share our love and our knowledge and our hopes and our dreams it, it will always be something special no matter how much sometimes work it might be to get our episodes or whatever or planning i would not want to be doing anything else than what we do so thanks man thanks, all right guys all right folks thanks for listening stay tuned Bye. for part two 
of this discussion, which is going to be a roundtable. So that's coming up eventually. For more on Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please visit perfectorganism.com. Perfect Organism is available for listen or download through Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, and Spotify. If you'd like to support the show, please visit perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you. Thank you.